All right, so I'm with a, I'm with a neat guest here, uh, Miss Emily Armstrong, and uh, we always believe that there is definitely some strength here and strong. Uh, been in the business uh, real estate here for 18 years, and we got to be able to dig into some stuff about Las Vegas. I'm actually excited to hear about some of the shenanigans out there where you started. But uh, let's kind of start at the beginning, uh, maybe some of your background and uh, what brought you here to the pod. Sure, absolutely. So um, Emily Armstrong, I have a team in Orlando, Armstrong Family Group, and I have been in real estate, actually grew up in real estate. So my family had a real estate company and I got my license at 18, worked on a team out in Las Vegas for 10 years and then moved out to Florida knowing nobody. I had two friends that lived here, moved here eight years ago and have been doing real estate ever since here. 18 in Las Vegas, did you, was it like, because you grew up there, like, you're just like, oh, yeah, it's just all the, the stuff that goes on. I can't, like, I can't even imagine it eight, being 18 and being in Las Vegas, but was it just par for the course? No, it was a blast. So I grew up in uh, Southern California, so I went to college in Las Vegas, and my dorms at the college were, like, you actually saw the MGM hotel from my dorm rooms, so... Um, it did kind of suck at 18 because you can't really go gamble and drink as much. But when it, when 21 hit, it was definitely a, a fun time. But it is everything you would think living in Las Vegas would be. <laughs> well, there's no statute of limitations here. So did you get a fake ID? And were you in the were you in the casinos before your time at 21? No, oh, I did not have a fake ID. But yes, I was. Um, we actually used to like I would get somebody that was 21 to order me a drink. And then uh, as soon as I had one in my hand back then, they weren't as strict. So as long as I had one in my hand, I could walk up to the bar and reorder something else. And they just assumed somebody had already checked my ID. Oh, that's a slick one. Nice. Yep. Can't do it anymore now, but that was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The cameras are all over the place there now. So, uh, you know, I guess maybe Las Vegas would be one of the places that would test all the boundaries of of thoughts around, you know, the stoic nature of you know, I guess you would have to have a certain amount of courage to stay with your studies when there's so much wildness going on around you. And when you're that young and un immature, like, do you think there was, was it, was it the wisdom or was it courage that got you through all that and actually had you, you got your license at 18, huh? Yes. For real estate? Yep. So were you part-time through college or what? Yeah. I actually was an assistant, so um, sure. I did all. I've done every role in real estate. I've done transaction coordinating. I was a basic assistant. I've um, I've been a showing assistant, so director of operations. So I've run every role in the real estate world. But I was working full time and going to school full time. Wow, yeah. good for you. So it was. How did you distracted in Vegas when you're that busy? <laughs> How did you, how did you have, how did you create the balance in that and being so young? Like, what was the foundation? Man, that's a lot. Like, I can't even imagine just going to school and not, and getting grades, never mind having a, a job as well. Yeah, it was, um, I was raised with a really strong work ethic. So even in high school, I actually graduated high school early, but even in high school, I had a, a, a job that I would go work after, after school. And then I also babysat. So I just, I'm used to that crazy, like high intense, go, go, go lifestyle. And so it wasn't, it really wasn't that difficult. That's great. So, you know, one of the things the Stoics would do is actually, um, you know, go out in the cold in 
not a lot of clothes. Uh, Marcus Aurelius was actually famous for sleeping on the floor when he was a boy. Um, so it sounds like you, like by the time you got to 18, it, it wasn't, it was just part of it. Like you just worked hard. That was it. It was the go, go, go. So you're doing school, you're, you're doing all the craziness that goes along with real estate transactions, which frankly, you know, mature adults could have a hard time with. Yeah. So you were, you were right. And you were, you were just cut from that cloth right away and, and fit right into it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was an easy transition, transition, I guess. I, when I went to college, my parents were giving me an allowance and they didn't want me to work because they really wanted me to focus on school, but I was way too bored not having something to do. So I, I made it three months and then I had to, I had to get a job. <laughs> well, and what made you, what made you jump into real estate? Uh, so my dad owned a brokerage growing up. And so I actually, I used to sit open houses with him and I worked in the office. So I had been around real estate since I was about 12. Oh, okay. Wow. Kindred spirit. My dad owned one too. I never sat open houses with him, but uh, that's cool. I, I always, I remember when I was like 10, my little legs hanging over the big leather chair and him doing deals. I was like, I thought it was the greatest yeah. thing in the world. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. So you started as an assistant. You know, it's funny, I just had a coaching call today and um, next week I'm going to step, I'm going to do a thousand call day. Uh, have you done a thousand call day? Of course you have. I actually like, have not, but it's on, it's it's coming up. I need to. <laughs> Yeah, I was interviewing a, a, a team leader the other day, and she said she sat with an agent who was a new agent. And I said, "Hey, what, what, um, you know, how about your first? What was your thousand call day?" She says, "I haven't done one." I was like, "Oh, uh, I got to do that." You know, I just thought I got to do it. And we had a joke with each other about it, like we got to do it, you know. But um, what I'm also so uh, you know, speaking of all the different roles, I love that you're, and that just it makes you such a good operator and like puts you in that place. So many people want to jump right to team leader. They want to be a team leader, have a bunch of buyer's agents so they get leverage and that they don't have to work. Um, it's like, so not that, right? You did it right. So you know, you knew all those roles. Next week, I'm going to become an ISA for a day so that I know what to hold them. Like, what does it really look like to go into the database for a day and how many you know conversations should we expect so that we can kind of like reverse engineer that? Do you think there's a lot of, you think that, you know, you, you doing all that and all those roles has really set you up solidly to, to be that team leader? Definitely. And I think everybody should spend some time in each of those aspects because I know that it's a blessing and a curse. And I tell my staff that I'm like, you know, it's great because I can help you and I can jump in and it's very easy for me to take, take the reins. But on the flip side, I also know what you're capable of doing because I've been there and done it. So I know what's getting missed or I know that you have more capacity. You know, there's just different aspects to it. Yeah. Yeah. Leading, uh, leading from the front. Do you, do you find it's hard to have the temperance between delegating? Is that, I kind of heard that in there a little bit. Like, obviously you're good at delegating and you know the roles. Do you find yourself more prone to doing the doing? rather than managing the doing what's the balance there that's a good question um it's i've been more of the doing the doing uh but over the last year i've done a better job at transitioning over to showing how to do so that they can do it for me or the team because i know i only have so much time in a day and if i'm stuck in that i'm missing doing something else that probably would be more important for me to be doing 
So um, it, it's creating balance. And we're even dealing with that right now. I mean, we're we're finding a lot of flaws in our transaction management process. So I've set it up so that it, literally tomorrow we're having a whole Zoom conversation between my whole staff of what do we have to do to, to fill the holes, fill the gaps and where where are we lacking and how do we fix it as a team? Not just me knowing how to do it, but how do I teach you guys to do that? Yeah. Yes. So are you getting any coaching on that? Like, or have you, are you kind of working this on your, on your own? What, what kind of guy, I mean, we were together in place and that's a whole nother conversation. Like, yeah. is that part of why you did this? I mean, cause it's pretty incredible. Like, you know, every role. And I think a lot of operators come in and go, man, I don't even know all my roles. So I don't know what people should be doing. Like, I think they're good people. I don't. So to maybe talk to me a little bit about that. What, and I don't want to go full down that place conversation, but where where are the pot spots where you're getting coached or and or are you? So currently, yes and no. So I do have my coach that I talk to on a monthly basis, but we're talking more on like a grander scale of of how how do I implement things with my agents and get them into production and where could I be improving on that aspect from the the side of managing staff or or those processes. Obviously, you know, Place has so many great tools, so I'm able to really go in there and find what I'm looking for or I can ask and get help there. But there's no I don't really have any specific like weekly coaching where I, I have that accountability on, on you, that. You seems like. It seems like you're your own pretty darn good coach. <laughs> like <laughs> you like, yes, no. <laughs> seem pretty aware. Yeah, I, I mean, I am, but I definitely I'm a very coachable person. And I tell that anytime I get a coach, I'm like, I literally plug and play. Tell me what to do and I will take the reins and do what you tell me. Like, I am that coachable. So uh, I, that that's going to be my next step is I'm still taking it all in. I'm still very new to play. So I'm learning all of the the back end and all of that good stuff. And I feel like once I'm I'm in a comfortable spot where I'm ready to take on a full-time coach, That's I, I love having a coach and I've always had a coach. So that will definitely be a, something in the near future. <laughs> Awesome. Well, to your point, yeah, I mean, you know, I just got, I got one from forward coaching, but there is just so much in there and that's, uh, that's a big reason why I did it as well. But, um, so I think kind of digging back in, so talking about your agents and how do you, what has been kind of like the, the biggest struggle to teach them of like the stuff that you already know, which is temperance. Obviously you can handle a lot. So you're doing a lot. You can be multi, uh, you know, multi-spatially aware of what's going on. What do you find? Because I think you're such a unique person in that. Uh, what are the aspects I think that you're teaching them that you have within yourself that are, are maybe the toughest? And then let's talk about some of maybe the ones that might be a little bit easier. Sure. Um, so I would say like struggle-wise, I, I, I would assume it's very similar with most teams and that's consistency. So, uh, you know, you have one week where you get everybody to do the things that they need to do and then the next week they don't show up. So uh, one of the things that I've been on a team and obviously been in the different roles and now I run a team and I very much want to be involved and I don't want people to think like, oh, she's just up here and and not a part of the business. And so, you know, if we have call time, I'm there like it's I'm showing up to be a part of it or I have my office hours and I'm there for all of that. And I, I've found that the struggle that that I have is 
I can show up and I can do that. And you, you've you come to me and asked me to lead you to make you a better agent, a successful agent. But if you can't do something as simple as show up, how are you going to going to find the success in your business? And so and, and that's that's it's a very hot topic for me this week. But um, <laughs> some let's dig into it further. Tell us the struggles. Oh, man. Like we did. And it's so funny because I'm a very I'm a open book and I am very honest and real. And I am always going to tell you when I'm happy and I'm going to tell you when I'm mad and all of it. But I did, you know, every Monday, our team has call time nine to 12, like clockwork. It is no, you know, that never changes. And I showed up this morning at the office and I was there by nine and it was 905. Not one of my agents was there. It was 910. Still no agents there. 920, still nobody was there. And I looked at my admin and was like, I'm if I'm able to come here and I'm able to make it a priority to be here for my success, for their success, how can they not do that? And I literally got up and left and was like, I'm gonna go work from somewhere else because why, you know, and I and I talked to them about it and everything, but and they were they were in right on time the next day. <laughs> but you know, you have those struggles where it's just like if you can't show up to something as simple as being in the office, how are you representing yourself in front of a client? How are you? Are you showing up to the appointment on time? Are you showing up to the appointment prepared? And we can talk about it all day long, but the the truth comes from your actions. And mm. are you doing what you're supposed to do or what you say you're going to do? Or are you just talking about it? And is it not that important to you? And And that's been a constant struggle for us because I can only want your success to a certain extent, but you have to want it more than I do. I can't want it more for you. Hey. There's two things that come to mind there. Um, and one is kind of a notion, and I think you alluded to it, is like how we do one thing is how we do everything. Yeah. Right? You think there's, I mean, we don't need to explore that. You you articulated it completely. How, if, you're not doing, if you're not showing up here, you're, you're not showing up there. Right. If yeah. you're not managing this here, you're probably not managing this here. So it's a, it's kind of a, yeah, they're, 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 they're not disparate no, things. You can't, you can't do something well in this moment and then, and then not do it well in the other. I mean, you're going to apply yeah. yourself to whatever level you choose to. Yeah. So within that, um, what do you think? What do you think? Um, how do we get better at enrolling? And that's what, how I like to think it. Rather than getting, how do we help people to enroll in this process of being uh, diligent with time and, and um, you know, really conscious of paying attention to the things that will move the needles, like connecting the action with the results? I guess that's what I'm saying too. Yeah. How do you how do you feel your you convey that? Uh, one of the things that I've been really focusing on, and it's I, I just had a, a meeting with a potential recruit this morning, and it was what we started the conversation with is I have to do a better job at one. I have to do a better at job at holding them accountable to it, but two, everybody has to know their why. Mm. Because if I know what your why is, I know what's gonna what's driving you to show up to the appointment on time, to make that extra call at work, to do that open house. And so that's that's really been my main focus right now is I clearly don't 
either my agents don't know, not all of them, you know, but either they don't know their own why or I don't know it enough to be able to hold them accountable to it. And so that's been a big focus of ours this week and last week is, okay, let's dig deep. Like, what is your why? What gets you up in the morning? Some days you have a terrible day, but what gets you out of bed? So really deep diving that because I think when somebody truly knows their why, and I went a long, long period of time without knowing it, and it changes too, but I think when somebody really knows it, that's what what, what drives your success. That's what makes you do the extra thing or put in the effort because you know why you're doing it. So it's like the uh, the dominant operating motive is because we like to talk about the dominant buying motive or the dominant selling motive. Right. I just kind of came up with that. Like, what is your dominant operating motive? Like, why are you operating? And then continuing to remind them like the dominant buying motive or the dominant selling motive. Hey, you said you needed to sell for X reason. Right. You said you needed to buy for X reason and reminding them of that. And so what you're saying is that's kind of the same why. It's like that. Why are you operating? Like, yep. That's where you want to go, why you want to get there. So you just keep reminding them of that. Is that, that's what you, I like that. Um, you know, one of the things that's helped us, uh, you know, and I have, like you, I, I feel and see and hear the same struggles. Um, you know, one of the things I think is what we're getting better at is enrolling from the beginning and not sort of, I'm not trying to sell you anything. It really is to your point, like really getting, okay, what is the why? Um, do you really, really want this? And getting those yeses and the promises into this is the, like we're actually doing now, you have to join four role plays before you even come on the team. Oh, I love that. Like, and it, and I say it from the standpoint of maybe you won't like this. Yeah. Like rather than us go through all of this, like this is part of it. We believe in the developing skills. I've been in there for two and a half years. I mean, I've been doing role play live for God knows how long on clients and I've learned a lot of ways not to do it. Um, but anyhow, that might help you there. I don't know if you guys do a role play. We, we do one. You're welcome to, to join in if you want to see how we do that. Yeah. I would love sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, and it's like, Hey, try it out for 10, you know, 10 sessions. You'll know. Yeah. You know, um, and just, so that's been part of it. And then also saying, you know, are you going to make, like, are you going to make your calls like at that table and like getting them to say yes, like that neuro linguistic programming, like, yeah. yes, you promised three times, you know, like, so that just maybe that might be helpful for you. And again, I'll get you the link to the role play after and you can kind of I see how we use that. that. Definitely. So let me ask you about, um, do you... Let me ask you this too. I don't know the ratio. We're gonna we're gonna keep. We're just so on this real estate thing. I'm so interested in you and how like you've done all these roles. Now you're stepping into this operator role, and it is a. I've been more in that than the others, right? So do you? Um, ben has a has a philosophy on spend your time with the twenty percent. What do you think about that? I well, I definitely agree with it because when you have so many agents you can only, there's only so much you can do and I'm still in production. So, yeah. um, you know, it's like, okay, I'm producing and then I have 10 agents and I have to do one-on-ones and I have to do this. So um, I do agree with that philosophy that you, you need to focus on that. I'm also a big, I don't know that it's right, wrong or indifferent, but because I've been on a team, I know what it's like to be on a team. So I also do a lot of group stuff where I want to see everybody succeed but I'm only going to 
push and put in that effort if you want it. So again, I can't force you to do something, but if you're raising your hand and saying, this is what I want, this is what I'm trying to achieve, I'm going to do whatever I can to help get you there. It might not necessarily be a one-on-one appointment that we're having, but I know all day long and I'm, you know, I might be in the car and I'm like texting, okay, hey, like, where are we at on this today? Or, you know, we have accountability chats. And again, I have an amazing staff. So they do a really good job at stepping in for me in that regard that they're they're focusing on that that 80 percent honestly they focus on 100 percent but but you do i do think there's like coddling and you can't really do that but i think giving them the runway and helping them succeed is what part of our job is and it's it's just making sure that we're giving ourselves making them feel like they're a priority yeah as much of a priority it's such that fine line of like your priority, but my one of my ops managers said this. What'd she say? Your your lack of preparedness, a lack of preparedness on your part is not a fire drill on my part. Right. Yes. I, I, love, that. I love that. Right? Like your lack of preparedness doesn't mean that I got to drop everything. And, you know, I always say to, hey, I'll, I'll pick up the phone and when I can. Uh, but don't, you know, come at the last minute and go, I haven't been, I haven't been to the role plays. I haven't been to the call nights and like, help me with this thing. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's such a fine line, right? You want to be there for people, but you don't, we call it difference between mothering and mommying. We're trying to actually get rid of that language, you know, but, um, yeah, because we're adults, but sometimes we all, do you think, do you think we're all adults and all children kind of at the same time? Yes. And I always equate it to I'm like, it's like her, like I have a room of toddlers and I'm like, you got one running over here to get the ball and you got run on one running over here to, you know, play with the mats and whatever it is. And you're just like, no, 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 no. Come on, everybody get back together. We're going to do this collectively. Yeah. But but you do. I mean, everybody has that that mindset, which honestly is what makes great salespeople, I think. But yeah, it is it is challenging. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that I've been trying to flip the script and that's, you know, and I say the you funny use that toddler thing. We've been trying to flip the script in mommying and not from like, like mother is, oh, you, you, you fell and you skinned your knee. Hey, maybe you should tie your shoes. This is how you put ointment on so forth. Yeah. And mommy's like, here's a cookie to make you feel better. Yeah. Right. Like not really teaching someone how to fish, those old metaphors, right. but we're trying to get away from that. I think because it's the we're all like these are adults so we try not to think about it like that you know right. because you it's just gosh it's a fine line i think but though i i do like the parenting metaphor because i try to parent myself like my, i don't have parents anymore so it's like i kind of have to almost parent myself and that that comes in that temperance of like don't eat cookies all the time i mean i eat pretty healthy right. but do you see what I mean? Like, it's tough to not, like, be that, like, scolding parent. Like, how do you be this partner parent almost? Yeah. No, it is super difficult. I mean, that was just what happened on Monday. I don't know if it was the right way to handle it or not. But, you know, when I left the office, I sent a message that said, you know, have I done something as your leader that made you guys feel confident or, or comfortable to disrespect me in such a way that it's not important to you to be here even remotely on time, you know, and if I have, I hope you would bring it to my intention because I do feel disrespected. And I feel like if I can show up and be here, why can't you without obviously, you know, if you're going to give me notice or something, I get that. 
And it was extremely hard because I'm a very lighthearted person. I'm very happy-go-lucky and a very fun person. And I mean, I had them calling me and I wouldn't answer. And I had to like, you know, just sit there and let them sit with it for a minute because they had to feel something around it. And I think you do. I don't have kids, so I I don't know what parenting is like. But I think there's a certain sometimes we want to just like push away the emotion and, and just say, oh, no, it's okay, It's okay." But I think sometimes you have to sit in the emotion and you have to feel it and you have to experience and understand why that's happening so that you can get past it or or figure out how to get pa- move on from it. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. You know, it's such a fine line because we don't want to guilt, but we do like there was a, 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 a lack of respect. And so if we don't stand up for that just as an adult, as a human, um, I've been really sitting with um one because i used to have a big anger problem right like wicked like i broke my hand twice what i was you know so like that is basically not being able to see a thought of of like being like something didn't work out the way i thought it was going to work out i.e i thought that agents would all show up right right um now then there's the whole side of being well you know, what, how did I show up before that, that set the, did it was, did I not show up? Did I, and then it's, we go into that hundred percent responsibility stuff. Like, Ooh, Mm -hmm. it starts getting real brutal when you go like, this is all me. I signed like, I know victims only volunteers. Like, how do you, how do you, you very happy, happy, go lucky person. Um, gosh. And you know, women are tipped to, and I don't mean to make this, whatever are typically a little more connected with emotion yeah. How do you how do you work through that when you're a super happy go lucky person, but you're in this place of leadership, so you have to like take this extra kind of stand, if you will, and not be as much of their friend? How do you how do you find to to manage that balance? It's hard, and I am very thankful and lucky. I'm not emotional, so I don't have that. Like I I, I don't know. I just don't have that part. So that's great for me, but. Um, I, I've I've actually struggled with it a few times because I think that there, I have a philosophy of that I have no problem being friends with you. Like one of my agents is a friend of mine that was a friend of mine before he joined the team, and yet there are times where we have to go toe to toe on things, and I'm like, I'm gonna love you as a person, and I'm gonna love you as my friend, and I want nothing but your success. But if you're messing up over here, I am going to have that conversation with you, and it has nothing to do with my friendship with you. We can have this, you know, intense conversation because I'm trying to make sure that you're being the best version of yourself and doing what you need to do for work. And I can hang out with you and later on in that day. I can separate the two. But if you're representing the business in a bad way, like we're going to talk about it. And I've had that where I've hung out with some of the agents, you know, they would go for happy hour or something after work and I'd go out with them and I'd go home and I'd get up the next day and do my thing. And I had, you know, one miss an open house because of it. And I'm like, hey, if I can go out and do that and show up, like you can't go out with me and then not show up the next day like that. And I had to stop even attending things like that because I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, because I can't be present with you and have you do that and then think that it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of stuff out there with, with about leadership and it's such so tough because some of them can be our friends and finding that balance. Um. You know, and I quit drinking about four years ago, not from like an AA, not in wreck a car. Or, I definitely was not my best self, 
uh, but it wasn't like some epiphany moment. But it was more of like it had to do with the business, not because I just because I felt like I wasn't able to give enough. I wasn't giving. I was losing to it, if that makes any sense. Like it wasn't serving me. And so now I will go out to those events, and it does help. I think of that, like I, like I'm not. You know, I'm not. What do What do you think about that? Like, I love that you said in the last bit there. Like, I can't go to the TGI Fridays thing on a Friday and and hoop it up and maybe have the extra drink or whatever. What do you do? You think that's helped? Like, is it has it helped to strengthen more of like balancing that that leadership side? I think so, and I think I mean it's yes and no because it's you had. I had my group of people because I've already gone through like a transition where like my one group of agents, they've all left. And now I have a new group of agents, you know, and, and that happens. And especially especially in the beginning, like I told them that I'm like, I already expect this is what's going to happen because I'm learning, too. So yeah. um, but that group specifically, like we would go out three, four times a week because I didn't run into any of those issues. And then when I ran into those issues, I had to pull back. I think that was very tough for them to adjust to. Whereas now. Like I, we may go, you know, we have call night, we may go grab a happy hour afterwards, but it's like one drink or, you know, we're not there for a long period of time for that reason. And they all know I'm very vocal about it. I'm like, nope, like I cannot be in a position where I was a part of it and then you don't show up the next day because of me. So, but it, it is, you know, to your point, I am known for all the, I mean, I will go event to event to event to event and I'm known for that. And I've, I've had the same thing, you know, my business is flourishing and it's thriving and and I can't I can't afford to be hung over you know like I can't afford to be down a day because I was out and I drank too much and so I'm doing the same thing it's like okay like I'll have a cocktail and then I'll swap it out for sparkling water and make it look like one you know but um because because I don't want to lose a day to something or I don't want to be slow in the morning I want to be available for people and really on my A game yeah do do you find that as you've gotten older does the te- I mean, you, you had to have temperance when you're 18 there and you're in Vegas. Like this, that still just blows me away. But um, do, do you find that maybe that temperance from being younger, that's honed more and more? Yes. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely, I'm, I have been a hothead or I've, I'm really, I can explode very quickly, but I, that has really mellowed out as I've gotten older. So I'm not as bad because sometimes there were times like back in, you know, years ago where I would just lose it on somebody. And I'm like, well, there's no, uh, there's no benefit to that. Like if I'm your leader, you're not, and I've been a part of leadership like that. And I've seen how it can really debilitate somebody. And so I'm trying to learn the, the in-between you can't be super nice about things either, but, but there's a right way to coach somebody through something where they are going to feel it a little bit, but they're not going to feel attacked. And it's just learning how to to really grasp that and not lose it on them. <laughs> hmm. How how have you, when you, do you start to see the frustration? Do you see the emotion coming up? And, or, or are you able to change the thought before it does? Talk to yeah. me about that moment where you see it coming on or or how do you catch it? Yeah, I mean, I'll feel like like even Monday, you know, my instant reaction is just like, oh, you know, like I just want to scream at everybody because it's like, what the heck, you know? But but I took the step back and I I did send that message to all of them, but it wasn't it wasn't in an attacking way. It was just like this is how it feels, 
you know, and you need to understand that this is this is what what comes across when you do that. You're not intending to do that. I know you didn't leave your house 30 minutes late today thinking, ah, screw Emily, you know, but but at the same point, if you're not aware of it, then how how can you change it? And so and I've, I've learned that with personal relationships, you know, work relationships, any of it. I have to like, you know, I, I, there's a saying, you know, where you're you can't control your first reaction, but you can control your second one. Or I, I know there's a special saying around it, but but your first reaction is going to happen regardless. And so I'm very much like I don't outwardly react that way. So I let it happen. And then it's like, OK, I don't want to get my point across in that manner. So how do I take that and translate it into something that's going to be more meaningful and more productive? I love that. You can't can't change the initial reaction, but you can you can catch the second or you can change the second second one. I like that. And that's kind of a, a patience thing, right? Of just you know, on Monday, and I, I love those Monday meetings, like Bill Gates, like number one attribute to have or character trait or skill or whatever you want to call it, patience. Mm-hmm. Isn't that patience of just like, I don't react. Like I just could wait a second. Or I don't say, I was read a Abraham Lincoln quote. You ever read that one? Um, uh, it's, it's better to be silent and thought a fool than to open your mouth and validate you are. Something like that, you know, like just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like let the next thing happen. You don't need to react. I love that one of, of catch the second one. That's awesome. Um, to like, you know, you look at a relationship with a significant other and Mm. I remember like I I remember the instance where that changed for me because you get mad, you know, and so you like react in a certain way and that other person just feels like crap. Like they just feel horrible. And it, and then you think about it, you're like, "Well, how did my reacting that way? How is that going to change anything?" You know, like how is the scenario going to get better just because I reacted in that manner? And so that was what really changed that for me is that I would say, okay, like I'd have to catch myself because you'd want to react and be mad at the other person. And it's like, all right, well, what's the solution? Like, how do I, like, I start thinking ahead and say, what's the solution in it? And then how do we get there? And then how do I have that productive conversation around it instead of just like, ah, oh, you suck and making a person feel terrible. And then you feel terrible after two. <laughs> yeah, you do. Because, because then they're terrible, then you're terrible. And then it still all ends up in the same place at the end. You know, I'm so sorry. I forgive you. I forgive you, you know, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, patience, and that's really love, right? Like, just not needing to be right. Yeah. Hey, we're coming to the end here, uh, because I got to, but I want to get your take on place. Um, Whoa, you're coming through a little garbled there. Hopefully on your side, we're good. Yes, it's clear on my side. Oh, awesome, good. That's why I love Riverside. You're clear on the other side, guys. I didn't see her on this side. She's smiling away and clear. Good. Um, I guess kind of one last question into it. Um, you know, from, would you say that that like makes you ultimately, and we kind of went over all this, would you really, so say somebody was that 18 year old and not that you, whatever, would you say, because I always say like, I would, I would always do things the way I did it, but actually I would do it the way you did it. 
Do you think that that's a really good way to do it, to learn each, say, I want to go out and I want to be a team leader and all that. It's like, you actually have to learn all the different roles, as sucky as that may sound, and you went through it. Do you think that that's one of like the, the biggest things that you would say to a team leader or a, an aspiring team leader? I do think that it's important to do that. And I, I know it would be difficult. I mean, if they can start at 18, then yeah, great, because you do have the flexibility and the freedom to get through that. But I think also... One of the biggest struggles that agents have is the confidence in their knowledge of real estate, right? So they can get on the phone, they can practice the scripts, they know everything about it. But then the biggest question is, well, what happens next? What if I get the appointment? Now what do I do? I don't know how to do any of this. I don't know how it works. And so having that background and doing that first allows you when you do start to do the transactions or you are selling real estate, you already know how the whole process works. You already know why, what makes a transaction happen or why a client gets this way. And so it allows you to be more knowledgeable and a better agent for them by doing that. And it also does teach you patience and all that. So as a team leader, it helps you, you know, with that aspect as well. Love it. Love it. Yeah, that's what I felt. And I mean, I think you such have such a unique story and uh, I'm a fan and uh, I can't wait to see you grow that thing at scale here with Place. So Speaking of that, we're going to move on to our, our next episode I, I or our next, uh, we're going to have a conversation about place, but I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I think you delivered a lot of value. You have a really unique perspective and I just want to say, you know, I know how busy it is to be an operator and you're doing a lot over there. Thank you so much for, for coming. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me.